Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to Mapping the College Edition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we've got a gallop-a-pace, fiery-footed steed kind of show lined up for you. That was all just to get the word pace in there. I'm not sure that was worth it. Dr. Jesse Carlo, head of Pace University Musical Theater, is on to talk about the new direction of Pace under his leadership. Uh, today we get into the many degrees of Dr. Jesse. Uh, we talk about the new direction of Pace and what their philosophy now is on work during school. Um, we talk about Pace's new early decision audition, which is premiering this fall. Uh, we talk about Dr. Jesse's reaction to the CR Truths videos, um, some of the new and renewed EDI practices at Pace, and a refreshingly honest take on how far there is left to go in Jesse's eyes. And then after the break, we talk a little bit about how Pace uses the pre-screen, and Jesse gives some great advice for parents. Um, before we get to this episode, I'm just going to say we're back in it. It's pumpkin spice pre-screen season. I brought that weird moniker back for a second year because I think it's funny. Um, how's everyone feeling out there? We feeling good? We're back to school. Um, of course, if you're applying for schools this year and are looking for guidance, I would urge you to check us out at mtca.nyc for any specific artistic or strategic guidance. And for any of those younger students or parents of younger students, can you just envision what these few months will be like your senior year? Um, it is a lot to work up to as you work toward completing your logistical process of applications and organization, as well as executing your artistic requirements on video. Nothing else in your career as artists will ever be quite like this, but boy, oh boy, does this prepare you well for the specific difficulty of this career. Well, speaking of some specific difficulties, let's get to this excellent episode, if I do say so myself, with Dr. Jesse Carlo of Pace University. Well, we are so excited to be joined by Dr. Jesse J. Carlo, we're going to call him Jesse, um, who has a number of degrees. I always read degrees at the beginning of this, Jesse, but my God, I've never served a four-top the way I'm about to here. Um, Jesse has an AA and MT from Dean College, a BA in Performing Arts from the University of Tampa, an MSED in Interdisciplinary Arts from Nova Southeastern University, and a PhD in Interdisciplinary Studies from Union Institute University. Oh my, that's a lot. Um, most recently, he was an assistant professor at theater at Columbia College of Chicago, and now is an assistant professor and brand new BFA musical theater head 
at Pace University. Uh, Pace is located in New York City. Uh, they take 26 to 28 students in the BFA MT program. They offer degrees in musical theater, an acting BFA, and some really cool other degrees like acting for film, television, voiceover, and commercial, and a commercial dance BFA. So there's a lot of cool degrees you can check out at Pace as well. Jesse, welcome on the pod. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you. I am doing really well. How are you? I'm feeling sunny and bright. My yeah. child is sleeping, and so I am sleeping, and everyone's pretty happy uh, these months. <laughs> um, before we jump too deep into the school, and most of, of course, we're going to talk about pace. I just love to talk to me about all of those degrees. My gosh, so what <laughs> you must love school. Uh, talk to me about oh, that journey a little. Yeah. Bit. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it was a, a long journey. I, I didn't just jump in. You know, the, the initial degrees um, that my my AA and BA all came in after I already had started performing professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was really sort of a push, parental push. My mom was an educator. My dad it was in education as well. So there was very much like, uh, you got to get at least your four-year degree. Um, but that took that took time. I took some breaks in between um, and uh, to perform and to work. And then I did the same before I went from my master's before my master's. So I worked a lot um, professionally um, in both Broadway, Broadway National Touring, um, working for some big corporate entertainment giants like RCCL and Disney. Um, and so I then decided that the, the 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 glitz and glamour of living out of a suitcase and mm-hmm. you know bouncing from one airport to another to at this point in time buses and trains and. Oof. Yeah, it was. Um, it started to lose. It's. Uh, it's. It's. It's all that glitz and glam. So I essentially decided the only way. I knew the only way that I would stay put because you know it's very easy. It's very tempting. They know it too. One quick phone call. Hey, you want to go out on this tour? And you're like, yes. Uh-huh. Um, I knew I needed to give myself something to do, so I started my masters, and uh-huh. and that sort of really. Sp- reinvigorated what I had already known, which was that education was a secondary passion for me, specifically teaching in theater, um, musical theater and performance. And um, as I started to work professionally in education and move up from teaching middle school, high school, uh, performing arts to teaching at um, college and university level, I, I really started to see the need for uh, um, a stronger presence and representation of, of diversified communities in those mm-hmm. spaces and voices in those spaces. And so my PhD was literally in interdisciplinary studies, but the, the focus of my degree is in theater studies, social justice, and social change. Uh-huh. And so a lot of the context of my work is around anti-racist and equitable practices in theater. I can't wait. Well, we definitely get into a lot of that today. It seems to have worked out well for you. As we, I was pointing out, those watching the video, uh, Jesse is in a gorgeous downtown Manhattan window appearing. So no longer from a bus is he calling in with these questions. We've settled him. Um, okay, so I, what I love, this is I'm really looking forward to this conversation because so often I'm asking um, professors to kind of summarize what is true about their school. And I'm going to ask you to kind of double your brain a little bit to talk a little bit about what is true and what has been true, but also kind of where you expect to be going in terms of your your new leadership. So I, I'm going to ask the question of like, what do you think it means to be a PACE student, you know, uh, and both what has it meant and what do you anticipate it mean, meaning moving forward? Yeah, PACE had a specifically, um, and, and I'll, and I'll be clear that I will be talking specifically about musical theater mm-hmm. um, because the performing arts school, as you said, has eight, well, seven additional majors. And so um, 
Pace musical theater program grew really fast and furiously over the past, like I would say about seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think anyone was really sort of prepared for how that was going to happen. And this really was a culmination of um, diversify, diversifying recruitment, you know, really looking at our, our, our students that we were bringing in, but also our faculty also being in the middle of New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, having folks that are that that teach our students, like Andrea Burns, Tony Award winner, just finished doing you know um, um, West Side Story, mm-hmm. the musical, right? Um, the movie musical with Steven Spielberg, right? We we ha- we have a community of individuals that we bring in that are working professionals in the industry, um, and so our students receiving that kind of hands-on and also very strong pedagogical approaches in the areas that they're studying across the three disciplines of acting, dance, and music, um, vocal music particularly. Um, This really does set our students up for a tremendous success. And so we really started to see a tremendous growth over that time. and then, of course, of course, the unexpected COVID and mm-hmm. um, all of the ways in which we were being challenged um, uh, socially in the world all came up, and it was really sort of leaning into that 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 pedagogy, leaning into that excellence that really I think took a lot of our students through some of this, mm-hmm. not with not not without our own issues and things which we 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 will talk about, mm-hmm. but uh, fundamentally when we come down to brass tacks. The education at Pace University is unprecedented, uh, specifically because we are harnessing our very geographical location Mm -hmm. and the fact that it is in the epicenter of of theater um, in New York City. And so that, along with dedicated educators um, and growing resources, we'll talk about that stuff later too. (laughs) Growing resources, now you're getting me excited. and, and, And lots of necessary change um, I think is really what has positioned Pace to become a top five institution in musical theater education in the nation. I love it. And and I think this is kind of what you're saying, but I'm, maybe I'm going to rephrase it to see if this is, I'm understanding uh, um, what is going to continue to be true is I would say under Amy's leadership, there was like a ton of access to industry style mentoring and actually kind of almost encouragement to work while you're in school. I think that that was a unique facet of pace, you know, compared to a lot of schools that maybe are a little bit more bubbled in terms of, hey, spend the four years. Okay, work on your summers if you want. But there are very few schools where they say, go ahead and work all sophomore year and we'll count that as class. You know, um, I was in my partners in Jagged Little Pill or was um, with Celia, uh, who was getting class credit while she was just in the show, not taking classes. You know, like that is a, a kind of unique uh, experience of a, of a young student. Is that something that is going to continue in some way? Is it continuing fully? Or how do you anticipate that relationship, that kind of unique pace, non-bubble, I would say, um, continuing? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a matter of the what, correct? If that makes any sense. Like, mm-hmm. what are you going out to do to, to work in? If you're coming to me and saying, I need a few months off because I'm going to go work at this regional theater, uh-huh. my response is going to be that, no, that's probably not the best thing for you. If you're yeah. coming to me to tell me you're going to do a Broadway show or a Broadway national tour, then we can start having a conversation because I will be clear, the work that you need to do to, it, it, it's called a life experience uh, semester or term, and, and the work you need to do to catalog and journal your life experience 
for someone um, like another one of our students, Savvy, spent her sophomore year in the first national tour of Once on This Island. Mm -hmm. Savvy wrote what was the culmination of 75 pages um, to show us that this indeed was fulfilling the requirements of the particular courses that she wanted to see covered uh -huh. in that life experience. Uh -huh. And so it's not just that you go, oh, I'm away. And we go, yes, we write off a whole, a whole year. Uh -huh. <laughs> right? We, we, it, there's going to be work that you have to do on the other end. That really is just a rationale of why these courses that you would have taken at this time were covered by that experience that you were having, mm -hmm. which we know clearly the, the, the reasons why, but you must be able to articulate that. And that's part of the work that we do in our training is that we want both skilled and talented, but intellectual and articulate artists. Mm -hmm. And that's really a leaning in that we're doing. We're seeing much more that directors and casting folks and choreographers are really, really interested in artists that are, are thinking and yes. that are, are articulating their craft and their artistry. Totally. And now, are you? Was that Savvy Jackson, who's also yeah. an MTCA alum? No big deal. I'm just saying, if you're talking about <laughs> Savvy Jackson, let's give her the MTCA props. Come on. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I, I love I, this. You go. Ahead. I guess what I didn't say is like, it is not something we're going around and hyper encouraging, right? Because right. we want you to come here and get an education. Yes. The the best thing you can do is spend your four years learning and growing and developing and sowing those relationships you're getting from working with directors, choreographers, and 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 um, artists in the industry. Um, so it's not something. And if you if you ask the folks at the up up right, they're like, we're not supposed to do that, but we understand that these opportunities are once in a life of lifetime opportunities, and of course they will come with their individual. Uh, um, perspectives, meaning that we will look at this, this is this person, this is their, their, their trajectory, this is their path. If you come to us again, let's say, for instance, Savvy came to us again and was like, I need to take a whole nother year off, mm -hmm. we would we would just have to be it would be a little bit of a different conversation, right? Because two years gone, Mm. Yeah. It, it doesn't allow you to really get the full breadth of what we want you to walk away from as a Pace graduate. I thought I was talking to the people at the up up. Who are the people that are the up up? Aren't you at the up? This is head. Head is not the top. There's above the head. There's a hat on top. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, no, I want to talk a little bit about uh, curriculum because you talked about so you know what the curriculum would be if you were to leave and, and how that would work. But talk to me through imagining a student who does show up and as most of your students, of course, do show up and spend four years going through the program. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, what it currently is going on curriculum wise. And if there are any shifts of, Hey, we're adding in this or kind of that take me through the four years of MT. And if you know a little bit of the actor stuff, since we do have actors too, but we'll talk yeah, about actors for in a bit. sure. So I can't speak a lot to the acting program and I will be, you know, fully transparent, right? This is um, month number two, fully <laughs> on three. You haven't imbibed all of it yet. My no, God, come on, get on top of it. it. Sort of there. <laughs> um, but you know, um, our program is is really full and robust, and the purpose of the program is that our students be exposed to the three areas of study, right? Yep. We want dancers, we want you to be fully trained as a, as a dancer, fully trained as an actor, and fully trained as, as, as a singer, a musical theater singer. And those things will include fundamental and basics in all, and then, of course, more advanced levels. So mm -hmm. in, our, in our acting program, I, I will say um, PACE is, is unique in that 
um, our musical theater program really does provide a robust acting um, mm-hmm. agenda um, and course path. So you're taking an acting course every semester that you are in at Pace. Um, it's the same for our dance. Um, you are taking a dance class every semester that you are at Pace. Um, and those things, again, for dance, you're taking your, your your ballet classes, your jazz classes, your tap, and then we move into dance styles. Um, and so when we come to vocal music, it, you're, are, you're meeting with your, um, your, your private vocal coach or, or your vocal coach and getting your vocal training, as long as other, uh, along with theory um, and ear training and sight reading training, all the sort of necess- necessities. Mm-hmm. With, with that said, we are constantly listening to our students about the things that they feel that they need. So for instance, I was in conversation with a student recently who was like, you know, I would really, really love if we had a piano class because I feel that theory would make much more sense to me if I had a piano class and I was learning how to apply that theory um, in a different way other than vocal music. Also, maybe I can learn to plunk out my own parts and maybe I can learn to play Mm -hmm. for myself sometime in the future. The one thing PPA does not have is a music program. So we Uh don't have you know, orchestral music. We don't have music composition as something students can take. So um, as we grow and we expand, that is something that that, that I definitely would love to talk about um, and, and add as being two classes in piano, one learning the basics, one some intermediate work, um, because I think it's essential. And I think that that, that is a reasonable request. And the same thing with acting. They felt very much like they were getting a lot of, of, of technique and moving through stuff, but they wanted to dive into some more specifics like mask work and mm-hmm. um, neutral mask work and Lecoq, um, uh, more physical based acting, um, you know, maybe diving in a little bit away from sort of the fundamentals of like Stanislavski or Meisner and like, mm-hmm. how can we be more specific? Can we study clowning? Can we do? And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. That sounds like a workshop type class where you explore all these other mm-hmm. styles of, of acting. That's something that we might be able to consider later on down the road. Maybe it's something we add to a senior year or something we add to a junior year. It's so cool. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more uh, in our, I keep hinting at some of our future conversations, but um, talking about, you know, sort of the students and listening to the students and what they bring to the table. I mean, it is an amazing thing compared to when I was going to school. None of us would have been precocious enough to say, hey, I don't actually like this neutral mass training. I wish I had this other, I wouldn't have known what other kind of training there was. I was showing up to school to be like, what do you got for me? What, what is the training? It's, it is, we see that with our students too, that they, they know what, what I, I was asked a question by a 16 year old about the 10 gestures of Chekhov and I was like how do you what like how do you know this stuff yet like that's sure. crazy that I wouldn't have known that I, I still don't know that you know it's like how how possibly could you you know this is 1617 it's really uh, amazing yeah and and we are seeing that a lot of our students are coming in with that and and, and I think it has to do uh, with access to information really I mean we're at a generation where the www gives that's us right. like immediate access to information so yeah. if, even if it's just I mean, we've been there with with our families, relatives, students, where we're like, oh, man, I don't know what that is. And in two seconds, they've already pulled it up and they've uh-huh. already on their phone. Right. So I think access to information really is a wonderful tool for curiosity. And then what we want to do is, OK, you you found this. Like, now, how can we appropriately train yep. you? Um, yeah. 
Well, you talked a little bit about so what um, we don't have in terms of outside schools. I just love to hear about outside of the the drama music. Um, training I'd be getting at Pace. What do I get from Pace, the broader university? Of course, you, know, you have that conversation of New York City being right there too, but maybe let's start with just the, the university. Like, What else do I get from the university aside from my, my theater training? So, um, I mean, obviously all students getting a bachelor's degree in an accredited institution are going to have to take you know, fundamental or general education courses. Um, and those general education courses will vary in how many credits or how many classes you actually need. Um, but they will fall under in the realms of the sciences, the social sciences, um, the humanities, um, computer sciences, right? They, and then that that's broken apart and we call our AOKs, which are general, okay, um, general ed courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the hope and the, and 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 the hope and desire really is that these students will have access to um from there they will gain um uh a bit of 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 interest in other areas that support theater mm-hmm. um that that then they, they can explore through their elective courses so mm-hmm. while you don't have a lot of wiggle room right to do other things because our program is so rigorous and so tight Yep. And, and has so many requirements. And we want you to, to you know, another change that, that we're working on the pipeline is, is really about like holistic education and seeing the student as a whole full individual, right? Not just a, 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 a machine that has mm-hmm. to come in, take in all this information and then regurgitate it later on down the road. The, the, the hope is that, that there is some connection to the material that they are learning, that they are impassioned about, that there is joy in the classroom and in the learning process that allows them to really be present and stay um, available to their learning and their growth in a way that is not passive, but it, but, but is their literal interest that continues to thrust them and motivate, motivate them. Um, and so we've got students who are interested in lots of different areas, um, but that could be across PPA, right? They mm-hmm. could take maybe one of their electives is in directing because they want to learn a little bit more about directing, or maybe they mm-hmm. want, maybe they're already a super talented dancer and they would like to do dive deeper and then, okay, great. While you have to take these fundamental courses because everybody does, one of your electives could be another form of dance that you might be mm-hmm. interested in. And so it would be fair to say that pace is not, it's not easy to say, I'm going to get a minor in a totally different subject or God forbid, even a double major, that that would be difficult given your, your current schedule. Very difficult. Yep. Very difficult. Um, of the three disciplines, you mentioned really all three, um, I like that you're saying vocal music too. It's a, a fun way of saying, I'm um, singing, but the, of acting, singing, dancing, the, is there one of them that is emphasized within the musical theater program like you know some schools will say we're really an acting based musical theater school we're really we really focus on music you know is there one that feels like it's a little bit more or does it you really trying to build all those three equally we really go out of our way to build all three in equally across the board um and while that is not a hundred percent easy um (laughs) because it's always um our students, it's really about the students. Right? We, we, we develop curriculum for students. And so our students are the ones that are really sort of dictate, but we also understand that we, we are the experts. And so we need to see where the need needs to be fulfilled. So mm-hmm. again, you will always find students that come in that will have a strength 
right? We hear this all the time in musical theater um, you know, when, when it was this concept of the, the, the triple threat, right? Someone who was equally as strong in all three areas. Mm-hmm. And I still will tell you that those individuals are not equally as strong in all three areas. There mm-hmm. is a strength that they have in one or the uh, one over the other. Mm-hmm. Um, they have just become so proficient and so good at all three areas that mm-hmm. we, when they are storytelling, then when they are involved and engaged in musical theater storytelling, we can't see mm-hmm. where that is. Um, and that is, that's the gift, right? Mm-hmm. That's really what we want. And I think um, by evenly distributing the training across all three disciplines, we really, really do set up our students for having the foundations that they need to be successful. That is augmented by all of the other things that they have from the program, which is there are three major performance opportunities. We've got two main stages and one um, a PDP, which is um, performance-driven production. And really what that is is that the two main stages are completely and totally fully produced. Mm-hmm. Right? Our two main stages are you're going to be part of the creative process working along with designers and um, the creative team, and you're going to have a fully realized production, whereas the performance-driven productions or the PDPs are, we strip away a lot of the elements of production so Mm -hmm. that the focus is on character development Mm -hmm. and storytelling. And it really is much more intimate um, and a little less developed than the other two. And then our students have four other opportunities for growth and expansion, which is they have, we have an artist in residence program. this, this fall, they'll be working with Eleanor Scott. Um, in previous years, they've worked with other major Broadway artists and people who work in the industry mm-hmm. um, that, that are brought in to work and provide special programming to the students. Um, and then we have other uh, performance project opportunities, and they are much smaller in scale. And these things include recently the addition of a cast recording opportunity where our students, this is not, no other school does this, y'all. I'm just going to say it. I can say this out loud because I know this to be fundamentally true. Um, no other school provides students an opportunity to get into a studio and know, learn what it is to record a cast album, right? And learn what it is to record as a musical theater artist, storytelling in the recording studio mm-hmm. through your vocal prowess and performance. And so um, those types of opportunities, I think, are unique and really are part of what set up and establish a, a, a pretty cool learning experience for our students. That's so cool. And and so talk, tell me a little bit if you know about the sort of acting musical theater cross-pollination. So, you know, especially for some of our students who are, you know, we have a lot of students who are sort of musical theater curious. Maybe they're kind of singers, not really dancers, and they're maybe looking at some combination of MT programs and acting programs. And some of our students who are just looking at acting programs. But um, for those students who say, I want some musical theater opportunities, but I might think I fit better in an acting program, how does an acting major cross-pollinate at all if they do in terms of productions, in terms of classes, at pace? My understanding right now is that we don't have a lot of cross-pollinization. Yeah. And I and the reason that is is because each program, because we are we function as a conservatory, um, each program has their very specifics that each student needs to do. Now, this is to say that a student could not um I don't know historically that we have seen that over recent times, right? Mm-hmm. Um 
we are now accepting, the college has upped our acceptance to 32 students. So this, as a minimum. Um, so this year, our freshman class is 32 students, mm-hmm. um, which, as you know, is a tremendous blessing and also means that we as faculty um, need to make sure that the level of, of education and pedagogy is the same all across the board, which means yep. we are splitting our classes sometimes in two, sometimes in three to make sure that our students are getting as much one-on-one attention from the from the faculty and, and all of their needs met where they are according to th- th- their goals for excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, that's really what we where we are right now so if you would imagine that in four years from now or just like three years from now we have four classes all full of 32 students the opportunities within musical theater have to remain within uh-huh. musical theater because we need to covet those spaces to ensure that these students are all getting access to the same thing I love it. Um, okay, my last easy question before we start the hard questions. Um, let's just talk a little bit about how do you kind of prepare the students for their launch into the business? So for some schools, it's a showcase, but I know for you, there's some opportunities throughout the years. But just in terms of how I'm going to be prepared come graduating senior year to meet with agents and managers and casting directors and know kind of uh, that end of the business. I'd love to hear about that. Sure. So um, we pride ourselves in a the faculty that we bring in are also working professionals. So we've had faculty, adjunct faculty that have been with us and they are so committed to us. Thank God. I and mean, they're just so lovely. Um, they really do. Um, you, know, you would imagine with people like Aaron Dilley and people like Andrea Burns, right? They're mm-hmm. very busy folks, right? Mm-hmm. But they, when they say they're going to be here in a semester, they are here. They are available to the students. They are tremendous educators and so generous and kind with not only their knowledge, but um, um, with their wisdom Hmm. and experience. And I think that that's not something you get often um, from folks who are very busy that can very easily, like, look, I I say it all the time, just because you got a PhD in something or because you have reached the height of your career in a particular area does not make you a great educator. Mm -hmm. And education, you have to be committed to that. That means meeting every single student in your space exactly where they are every moment of that class. And so to have faculty that are committed to that is wonderful. Our performance projects and our artists in residence are another way that we keep our students connected to the industry directly. So Telsey, Bernard comes in and teaches almost once every year, for mm-hmm. us, right? Comes in and talks to the students. You will do, you will have an audition um, class that talks about what it means to develop your book, what it means to have a diversified um, uh, uh, audition material, mm-hmm. what it means to know who you are as an artist before you walk into the space. Sure. So I think I think that that's one of the unique things that that we provide. Along with us bring, being able to bring in guest speakers and, you know, um, host master classes, college really encourages that um, because, again, we have so much opportunity, right? right? It, would be, it, would be, it would be remiss of us and a huge mistake to overlook where we are. And including stuff like if I'm doing a, one of those more fully developed productions, are agents and managers coming to see me my junior year as I'm doing, you know, my college production? Yeah, many do. 
Many Terr- do. Absolutely. Both terrifying and exhilarating. To me, I'm like, that's both sides of that. I'm like, that's yeah. fantastic. And also, ah. Yeah. I mean, we do, we do uh, for our freshmen, we have a, a, a showcase called Hatch that, happen, that happens every year, mm-hmm. um, which is really exciting. And initially, Hatched would happen at 54 Below. Mm-hmm. I mean, only like the, the nation's greatest cabaret mm-hmm. space, right? And where every major star has just donned the stage. And so you can imagine what that does. And so over time, we've actually taken it away from 54 Below uh-huh. and brought it onto our campus. Uh-huh. So a little safer, focus. not quite yeah. so. Maybe freshman year, I'm not ready to be seen. By <laughs> exactly. Little, yeah. I mean, you have to imagine, right? Here, we get, we take students from all over the world now. For um, sure. And so, you know, you've got... You know, the student who's accustomed to to a, a very particular way of life out in, you know, Midwest America, right? Small towns. Mm-hmm. You walk into the space and all of a sudden, boom. I mean, mm-hmm. being in New York is already daunting enough. Throwing you into this space is probably maybe not. It's exhilarating for you conceptually, but is it really, are you really processing and yeah. taking away from everything? But it's, which is really about, can we? How quickly can we develop relationship and share our talents and gifts with one another in a space where we celebrate each other's growth? And that means that it's a no judgment zone as far as, hey, I'm, I'm not in perfect voice today. I'm not in perfect uh-huh. body today. I'm, I'm feeling a little off or, man, I totally screwed that whole thing up. And how can we uplift? How can we find joy in those moments? And, and that, that I think is really important because I think that there needs to be an understanding out there for all you listeners that this industry is not as cutthroat as you think it is. Uh-huh. And, and as far as the relationships you develop with the people that you share those spaces are so special and so gen- sweet and and just so worth holding on to, yep. they never really go away. Are there parts of the industry that need to change? And are there parts of the industry that are not so great? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> I will tell you the one thing that is lovely is the support that you get from your circle of, of artists mm-hmm. that, that are there for you at the drop of a dime. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's important to know that 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 is what we're trying to foster and develop in our in our cohorts as they move through their time together. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I was thinking about that at our, our baby shower. I have a, just about to have a one-year-old uh, daughter. And at our baby shower, you know, looking around all the people, I was like, these are all people we've done shows with, either me or my partner. You know, it's like these people that I'm like, oh, right, I did that show with you and that show with you. Oh, you're from that. And some of those are from 10, 12 years ago, yeah. but they become your community. And you're like, it's just such oh, a special great. little thing. You know? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I said there's one more question before the hard. This is not hard. This is halfway. Now we're going to get into the good stuff. Um, but I'd love to talk about the new ED option that you're unveiling this year. So this is often I'm asking questions that I already know the answer to on this pod. But this is really me asking. I'd love to know the mechanics of this as well as like the reasoning behind, you know, most musical theater programs do not do ED. There's a couple schools that do, but more often than not, they don't. I guess what was the impetus behind it, but that, and then also what will the mechanics, as best as you know, I know this is this is brand new and you're brand new, but what will it look like in terms of this year and, and potentially moving forward? Yeah, it, it it is brand new for us, but I will take a little bit of the credit of it being something that um, I I recommended be implemented mm-hmm. on a greater level. So. Um, thinking about how to say this appropriately so I don't throw folks under the bus. There are other college audition programs that um, wanted this option specifically for themselves, right? There was was initial conversations 
that we would do an ED program for one particular uh-huh. college audition um, group. This is and not MTCA. This is not MTCA, right? <laughs> um, and I found that to be problematic. I found that to be exclusive. And I found that to be something that was not in alignment with our new commitment to equity and inclusion mm-hmm. in, the, in, in, in our training and in our recruitment. And so my recommendation to combat that was, okay, you want to give them this option because we are seeing schools do this a little more often, mm-hmm. right? You want to give them this option. Pace University has its own early decision audition before that. Uh-huh. I want to see all the options on the table for early decision before we go into some, you know, more exclusive closed in- yep. situation. I do not believe that it is just. I do not believe it is equitable that we do not provide for the greater community yes. the same opportunity that we are giving to another group of people. Um, and so that was agreed upon and um, and really sort of joyously in, in I think adopted. So this year in November, I'm gonna I'm gonna screw up these dates, but this <laughs> in year, November, in November, this yeah, this fall, uh, very early fall, we will hold um, one day of auditions for musical theater uh, that will be solely for those that are that are that know that Pace is the institution that they would like mm-hmm. to go to. Because you're committing um, by this early decision. The, the nature of early decision means if I if you say yes, I'm going to Pace. That's there's no question about it. No question about it. You've come in, you come in, you're auditioning, you want to go to Pace. Um, so we will do that um, early um, early November before we go away to for Thanksgiving break. And obviously, you don't know the exact mechanics of numbers and all these things. But but do you have a sense in terms of like what kind of boost it's going to be for the students? Because I assume a student to doing this, as opposed to even if Pace was number one, the reason they would do early decision is because they think I'm going to get a little extra, a little boost, a better chance for this audition, right? Um, how much is that? How much are you going to weigh that in if you're upping their score? We'll talk about their audition scores and some of the stuff that's coming on the second half. But it, yeah. it, you know, how how much of a boost is it going to be to do early decision versus, let's say Pace is my third favorite school, and I'm not sure, you know, and I'm not ready. Do I take the gamble? Am I getting the boost? How do you feel in terms of that? If it's your third favorite school, wait, wait for the regular auditions coming up in in January and February, Um, or and in December we have we have a um, few dates in December, Uh, but uh, that that are for regular admissions. Um, We I I honestly, if you are not a hundred percent certain, I don't recommend coming because, um, it is. If you're still in the process of making a decision, then early decision isn't for you anywhere. It's uh-huh. really not. It's not worth taking a trip, and it will require people to come to campus. Uh-huh. This is only um, a live audition. This is only a yep. live audition, um, and we are. I am thinking about um, virtual option by 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 request because it's need based, yep. and that's something I will work out with. Yeah. Um, with our um, with with Wayne Petro, who oversees all of our recruiting, um, and also with my faculty, who will have to review this. But I I also think that the virtual option has allowed us to extend our reach into communities that we have that we are just so grateful to be there and have them with us. Um, you know the a lot of economically disenfranchised folks can't make twelve auditions throughout sure. the year, and so the virtual option. 
uh, we learned from COVID really allowed us to to um, expand our reach and just meet so many lovely, amazing, amazing, incredible young artists. Um, so with that said, the ED option still remains 99.999% in person yep. in the fall is the first time we're doing it. We will see um, our, will, will it be easier to get in? No, you still have to submit a pre-screen. Mm-hmm. You still have to do all of those types of things. We still need to see you beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but that 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 still remains to be seen. I, I we've and, never and you it. will get an answer then that fall. So you'll know yes or no before that. It's not like an early action where you might be deferred. It's going to be right. you have an answer. It's a yes or a no from this early decision. Exactly. I love it. Um, well, I'm also I'll just say I'm very glad to have your smart mind thinking about some of the equity conversations. And, you know, I think as this business has gotten more competitive, I think through no fault of this other program or some other, you know, everyone wants their leg up. Everyone wants to pay $500,000 to get into USC or whatever it is, right? It's like people go, it's so hard. I want all the ways that I can find legs up. And it's also like, as someone else getting a leg up, who are you, who are you stepping on that's getting pushed down, you know, um, yeah. through this process? And, and I do think it is a multi, there are multiple actors in those fields in terms of, you know, certainly uh, companies, but also um, schools now are getting more aggressive as there are more schools trying to get students earlier. And can I get you in this way? And can I do that? So it's become it's a sort of ever evolving beast um, with kind of no one at its own at its helm until maybe it'll be you. Maybe you're going to figure this out. <laughs> um, but I'd love to get into um, now. Here we are to the CR Truths videos um, and some of the turmoil surrounding EDI questions at Pace. Um, because I will say, as in the past couple of years, it's something that comes up a lot when we mention Pace is people go, oh, yeah, I heard about this thing, right? And first off, I will say what I've said on this podcast before, which is that Pace is far from the only school to have to deal with these questions or issues. It's just a little unfortunate that you were dealing with it so publicly in a way that not every university had to deal with it publicly. Some of it was just, you might have seen it in the school newspaper, but it didn't reach you know, YouTube videos, et cetera. Um, but let's start off with, have you watched all of these videos and what are your thoughts? Um, I have watched the videos and my thoughts are my heart breaks for their experience that they are not wrong. Um, we cannot walk into this work of, of sort of dealing with anti-racism and dealing with equitable practices and inclusive practices without thinking about harm repair, reduction, mm-hmm. and prevention, as we know from sort of the arenas of, of, of um, restorative justice and transformative justice. And what does that mean? That means I can't look at these videos and go, oh, you're a liar. Mm-hmm. I know as a Latine queer individual what my experiences were. Mm-hmm. And I know that the nuances of that are not something I can expect from a white colleague or counterpart to really understand because that's not their experience. And it will never be, no matter how much you can empathize or sympathize with me. Mm-hmm. And so my heart breaks for those experiences and good on them for speaking up. I think that um, the activism moving forward needs to be about how we can move forward with changing that. And yes. I am open to deepening those conversations and those relationships as much as I can. Well, um, I'd love to get into that with, with especially now that it's been a couple years, I'd love to hear if you know of some changes that have already happened to talk about some of that, and then also what the next couple years under your stewardship is gonna look like. 
Yeah, I, I, I think we just need to be, uh, tell the truth and shame the devil, right? Musical theater programs, arts programs writ large, continue to be predominantly white spaces because they are so expensive to run and money still lives in those spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Un- un- unfortunately. And so until we find other ways to really create space that is inclusive and really be part of facilitating diversity, right? Like diversity already exists. We just mm-hmm. need to learn how to nurture it, facilitate and create spaces for all of the diverse voices and bodies and minds and and, and ideas that will exist, that can exist in the space. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think as theater artists and as storytellers, we have a unique way of being able to enter into those conversations, which is why CR Truths was so impactful, right? Because they brought that to the table when mm-hmm. they told these stories. They were truthful and, and you know, they were the unfortunate receipts that the school needed to hear um, before that they could, be, before change could be made. And so I think we are leaning in the direction of change. Do I believe that, you know, sort of they, in anti-racist work, we walk into, into organizations all the time and, you know, specifically arts organizations and we'll say things like, where do you think you land number wise on like anti-racist? Mm-hmm. We're completely anti-racist or we're like, mm-hmm. um, and I still think we're in, in the number one and a number two range um, because anti-racism is really about anti-oppression. It is about anti Number one, number two is a low, like on a one to a hundred or your number one, number two, like the positive. Yeah, one, number one, number two, as in one to five, one being the, the lowest, five being the greatest, uh-huh. right? Like the most anti-racist. Being, right, five is being the most anti-racist. One is being um, very, still very oppressive and racist. So and, still a long way to go, you feel like? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it, it is just because it will always take time, right? Um, there is no, we've been fighting s- systemic injustice in the United States of America for, for, for ages, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is not something that's just going to pick up and walk away because it's kinetic, because it is connected to a greater system, including the professional world that we right. occupy. And so... I am in, in conversation with groups like Broadway Advocacy, Advocacy Coalition and Broadway for Racial Justice. And we want to develop a, a, a relationship where our students are learning how to walk into this field, challenging it mm-hmm. as much as they are changing it. Yep. And that's the hard part, right? We are going to prepare you to become an artist for a field that we don't know what it looks like for the future yet. Yep. And so in this case, right, I think we are making some steps. I think that we could be much more deliberate. And that is where the only thing I can do is work within for the sure. program that I have been so humbled to 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 spearhead. And you got to deal with those higher ups too, those people who are above, above that. I thought I was at the top, but the hats and the people on top of the hats. Yeah, there's the hats on the hats on the hats on the hats. Yes, for sure. Um, what I'll also say is, so I think as someone who really knows this stuff and has a sense of what could be and maybe even what should be, that for you to say I'm a one or a two on a scale of a five, I think is is because of the amount of knowledge that you have. I don't think it's necessarily true that like there are lots of schools out there that are threes and fours and 4.5s. You know, no like, I'm like, I think if you're a one or a two, I'm like, there's a lot of ones out there. There you know? are a lot of ones. Because you're wrestling with these conversations. And now everyone is too. I mean, when I have these conversations with faculty members, there's no one who's like, what? EDI? I've never heard of that stuff. Where 10 years ago, that really might have been true, where they weren't right. ready at all to have that conversation. But certainly you are wrestling with these conversations in ways that 
Yes. Not every school is. So yes. I, I, for our parents who were going, oh, well, 1.25, we don't want that school. It's, it's off the, that's a racist <laughs> school. I would no. just say like, you know, compared to the rest of the schools, I wouldn't say that you're behind. And, and I say that you can only know that if you have agreed to say yes to begin the work. And I mm-hmm. will say that there was an agreement to begin this work. And I will say that in the musical theater program, we are challenging our artists, we are working with the people in the industry to remind them that this is our commitment. Our yep. commitment is to these practices. Yep. And that if you're coming in to work with us, you must also be committed to these practices. Yep. Our ethos is not for sale. Our our trajectory and being a leader in this in, in, in creating and effectuating positive change in the industry by sending out thoughtful, creative, impactful, but strong powerful artists is not something that that is that is up for grabs or is on the auction block we are here to create a new kind of theater collectively together that we know that we can do Mm -hmm. um and we know that yes there's it's not going to be perfect ever anywhere anytime any place but i am grateful to be in a space where i have been so pleasantly and lovingly surprised by our faculty by our staff Mm -hmm. that are also saying yes, 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 yes to all of the change that is necessary. Um, And that is, that is, that is all that we can do right now. And I think that that is a really lovely beginning. (laughs) Well, and I think you're really smart to be looking at this from the broader perspective, that this is not a problem that can only be solved in the university bubble in that, like the problem is not just, oh, we have a bunch of racist professors in universities. It's like, as we see the larger problem, it's like, it's from before, it's from after, it's from, yes, also we need to address what goes on in the university, but clearly this problem cannot be solved only within those four years of this person's life. Correct. Um, can I ask you an impossibly broad question? This is something that just strikes me as I've had many of these conversations, some sort of more behind closed doors, some publicly with different professors. Um, how do you balance or kind of navigate the balance of listening to students who are bringing up these worthy po- points of learning? As we said, see our truth, and we all said, this is learning that we all can do from this while also trying to maintain the kind of school structure, if that's a goal for you, the school structure of the faculty or the faculty and the students or the students. Because I've heard a number of faculty members, these were all behind closed doors, use the kind of uncouth phrase that the inmates are running the asylum now. You know, that idea that it feels like they are more scared of the students or they're more listening to the students, but they're they're worried that they're not now seen in that level of, I'm a respected leader in this room. You know, how do you foster that kind of equal playing field while still having the teacher be the teacher, if that is a goal? Sure, I, I I think I think that that is a, um, and not your thoughts and not you, but I think that idea and that concept is one rooted in white supremacy, which is like, um, that that if the there is a shift in the power dynamic, all of a sudden one person is not powerful and the other person is, and uh-huh. that is not true. It is to say that you are both equally powerful and that you both equally supply and provide something for that relationship to exist. You as the faculty member come in with knowledge and experience, and you must figure out ways to impart that Mm -hmm. justly, equitably, and inclusively to the students. The students are human beings who, if harmed in the space, have to have tools be able to, to be able to call that harm out in a way that allows for there to be dialogue and conversation around repair and healing and prevention for the future. 
And we can do it. It is not impossible. But this us versus them is a white supremacist, is a, is what a white institutional value. Mm-hmm. These closed door conversations with faculty on this end and students on the other, a white institutional value. We are not doing this. And mm-hmm. so it, we're not coming and The audio, together. we're putting our hands together is the this. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, we're, not, um, we're, we're not really coming together having the necessary difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Also to come to the understanding that we are in a symbiotic relationship when we walk into that classroom. Yes. We are in a reciprocal relationship when we walk into that classroom. It is a yes end every single time. And if your belief is, I just want to walk into the classroom and I want to tell them what to do and have them do it and I'll just do it my way. And if they don't like it, well, then too bad. I mean, even if we think about that 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 uncouth phrase you use, right? The inmates are running the asylum. Mm-hmm. You have to think about the history of asylum and the history of incarceration in America mm-hmm. and why that isn't even an idiom that we would use because what it says is that our students are crazy or these people have lost mm-hmm. their mind and now they've completely taken everything over. No, they're not. They're not. They just have language that they didn't have, that we didn't have as, mm-hmm. as, as kids. I know, my students remind me I was born in the 1900s. Um, <laughs> I know that if somebody was behaving in a particular way when I grew up, you know, that person was insane or that person was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Right? Now we know that's not the case, right? We have expanded knowledge and expanded access to knowledge that allows us to talk about things more specifically and more articulately in our Young people are attuned to that. They are connected with that. And so guess what? Talk to me. I want to hear all about it. Let me know how we can create spaces. Also with the balance too, right? Don't, there's that that expectation that your faculty member will be perfect. Mm -hmm. No, they've got tons of unlearning to do. Mm -hmm. Tons of change has to happen. And that is rooted in decades of social construction, right? Mm -hmm. How can we shift that by being in loving relationship with one another, a term mm-hmm. people don't want to use because, ooh, love. But no, we need to lean into that a little bit more if we're thinking about the kind of change that has to happen. It's so beautifully said. And my best friend does this work as well. And, and he'll, he'll often, you know, even while he's talking and he's sort of um, it, it be starting off these conversations, he'll kind of model learning in the room. He'll go, oh, my God, I made a mistake there. Let us let me show you how I can repair that, how I can fix it. And instantly you watch the students just relax and go, oh, great. Everybody's, yeah, you've done that and everything's okay and it's not nothing's ruined. And and I do think that would be really helpful if faculty members have those tools to go, yeah, I'm learning too. We're all, I'm unlearning while you're learning. We're all, this is a, a space that we're, we're learning. In. Yeah. Really beautifully said. Um, let's take a short break. We'll run some ads about who knows what, but it probably won't fit well with this topic. And then we'll come back with Jesse and talk a little bit about the audition on the back end. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, we are back with Jesse Carlo um, from Pace University. And we're going to ask another kind of fun round of questions because you have yet to do an audition tour. Yeah, but I want to talk about the audition insofar as, as we can. Um, and just ask, like, as you look for Pace students in you, under your stewardship, what do you anticipate looking for? You know, if that's changed at all from what's been in the past, but also just sort of what what is looked for um, from a Pace University student? So, so I think I'll talk about sort of the general look, and then I will talk about programs like yours specifically, right? You know, for our college audition kids who are working and training, um, which which I know I, I'll be, I'll be preaching to the choir about some of this stuff, but. Um, we are really looking for, yes, are we looking for a student that has the foundation of talent? Absolutely. Um, are we looking for that student that can technically um, and creatively execute these three areas of, of, of our discipline? Absolutely. Um, are we looking for a certain level of excellence? Yes. Um, but we are also looking for someone who is humble, someone who is humble to the process, to growth, someone who wants to be a student, someone who doesn't think, well, I'm already too good, right? Mm -hmm. um, it is necessary to walk into the space. You know, you will get corrections in an audition. We will invite like critique so that you can do it again in an audition space and in a callback space because it's important for us to see you and watch you process learning, right? I would invite you to walk into that space with the fullness of yourself, to not be ashamed of who you are, to not think that you have to, you know, show us uh, 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 an effectuated aspect of, you know, part, um, what's the word, an effectuated uh, version of yourself, right? What I think is super important is for us to know about the industry writ large is the industry is also waiting for you. They already have everyone else that's mm -hmm. made it, right? Adina's out there, Kristen's out there, right? Um, Brielle is out there. All of these major, wonderful, incredible artists are out there. They are looking for you. They are waiting for you to show up and show up in the fullness of yourself. And I think those are the things that we really love to see with our students and potential students is that there is just something about them that they are not afraid to bring into their storytelling, to bring into the audition room. Um, for and, and I think that's a great segue for those that are going through some of these college audition programs because some college audition programs are much smaller and they work with the same group of people every time. And there's not a... Uh, a diverse enough like training mm -hmm. that we see them all come in sort of interpreting the same story at mm -hmm. me. We're like, Oh yeah, we know that person from that college audit. Yo, that's a, that's a, this person or that's a, that person. Right. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we do want to see you invest in telling the story to us, right. While you're in there and you're singing this wonderful, beautiful, you know, song to us, um, what, where's the story coming from? Is it coming from you know, something that still remains completely intellectual in your mind or mm -hmm. have you already embodied that? And are you beginning to allow us into that intimate part of you that really separates you from 
the other person in the room who is still up here, which is okay. That's part of the learning process. Living in your head and being there intellectually is eventually leads to that letting go. But, you know, we're looking for to see if there are folks who are already made it to that place. I, I love it. And it's, it's really nice to hear some of that stuff echoed back, which was our goals. One of the reasons we have many more coaches than some other teams is because we, we want that individualized attention. We want it to be about the authentic artist and not like, oh, Let's let me show how many students Charlie can get into Carnegie Mellon. Just the way Charlie got into Carnegie. I'm like, how's, how's they've already gotten? I already got in. Who cares? I don't need to get myself in again through your body. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's such a good such a good note. Um, what about with the pre-screens? Uh, any does this change at all? Or I'd love to also hear kind of just how you use the pre-screen. We hear more and more different schools using them differently and creatively. For you, is it is it going to be just a, a look and I check and yep, we want to call you back? Or are you going to view it throughout the process? How, how does that work for Pace? It is it it, it is a look for a callback, um, and and that is because we see so many students. It would be impossible for us to like do a traditional in-person audition where we see the first round of you and then mm -hmm. we see you again. We would mm -hmm. be we would be auditioning and and doing recruitment work from, you know, October until March and then mm -hmm. we would still not probably see everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Um and so the pre-screens allow us an opportunity to kind of get to know you be interested in you and offer you the callback so that we are, again, not seeing 2,000 plus students mm -hmm. um, in, in one sitting or I love it. over and, time. And then if you want a student artistically, I know this hasn't actually happened yet, but if, so far you know the process. If you want a student artistically, how does then that work with the interaction of academics at the university? Um, you know, do uh, how, yeah, tell me, I know some of the answers to that, but I would tell me how it works in terms of, you know, you getting into university and then how that actually happens. Yeah. So first and foremost, you, you can audition until, you know, you're blue in the face. And if you don't get into the university, you can't get into the program. Right. So, um, that is to say that academically you want to be strong. Um, the university has its own criterion for getting into the school. So you have to meet that first. And then you must also meet the criterion, our audition criterion to get into the program. Um, that's that way for any institution, right? For, and any of the programs they provide. Well, I will say it's not identical to some of your brother and sister universities because as you, even as I was asking that question, I was like, this is one where I know the answer because I often use you as this example of a tantalizing. Our students in the past get acceptance letters to the university, a big scholarship academically to the university, and they haven't even auditioned yet artistically. They're like, <laughs> how did I get in? Is it from my pre-screen? What did I do? And we're like, no, you're not in. You're just you're in. You're in and the you have school. all this money. Congratulations. You can be a psychology major. Correct. And here's tons of money. And yeah. they're like, but I want to be a musical theater major. I don't want you. Yeah, and don't give up just yet. Hold on to that and right. then go into the audition. And I think this is really important for people to know that want to do early decision or are thinking about early decision. This is the kind of commitment to the yes you are making, right? Like when you say yes to an early decision, it means that you don't get to experience the other options of yes. other schools at that point, right? I, you got to say, I am doing this because I know that pace is going to give me what I need and I'm going to be successful there. And you will. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I meant to ask that with early decision. Will they also be for sure have their scholarship information in advance? Or how, how do they know, especially if I'm committing to a school, I know with other early decisions, sometimes one of the reasons you could say no is if the scholarship doesn't meet, meet your need. How do, how do you know, yes, I actually can afford to go to this school? 
well, Charlie, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> Good answer. We'll find out. And that's be, and I will find out, and I will absolutely let you know, so you can let everyone know. I, I, I don't know how early is early, right? If we're right. seeing people in November, you have applied to the school. Great. I don't know how soon after your application, the admissions has like processed you, and every school is different. And I can't speak to that one specifically, but totally. I will talk to Wayne, and I will find out what that process looks like. Perfect. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I know in the past sometimes Pace is another one of those schools where you have a, you have the academic scholarship money and then potentially some artistic wiggle room. And so I don't know how that would work with ED. Of course, new things. Yeah, I think it can only benefit. I mean, this is why people like to do early decision in, in other areas too. The arts, again, is not very, this is a new thing for all performing arts schools. Um, I think that, you want to decide on a school earlier, sooner than later, because more money lives in that scholarship pot, right? right? You, you want that. Um, which is why I, uh, one of the things uh, I, I will boast about you that, 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 I found, that I found so wonderful is sort of you already have in, embedded in your program a holistic approach where you help students with, you know, test prep and you help students with essay writing. I mean, those things are super essential to getting into the school yep. and securing yourself you know, a pretty decent amount of money. We're not going to lie here. Like Pace is an expensive institution. Um, Your degree is, you know, as a lot of people will say, you know, the the better the school, the degree becomes your Mercedes. It's your BMW, right? It's the thing that gets you to where you've got to go so that hopefully one day you could afford one of those things. Um, But yeah, that's... (laughs) It's so true. Well, and you mentioned our other services. I mean, we do college advising, which in our college advisors, one of the things they do more and more because many of our families are middle class. And so they're in the place where they go... I, I, I can set aside this money for training and I'm going to, but I'm not ready to spend $60,000 a year on college. I just can't, that's not something our family can afford. So how do we work through which schools could be realistic options for me and affordable options so that someday I can buy one of those Mercedes Benz. <laughs> um, what about in terms of for audition wise, to the best of your knowledge, at least how does, I, I mentioned that score, if you get some schools do score, some schools do it more holistically, but you know, with the, the, what would the ED bump be now taking the ED away? How does it work uh, sort of between disciplines of like, do you get an acting, singing, dance score and they're all blended together? Do you drop one of the scores? Is it, is it one big decision of, I like this person. And so I don't care what their scores are. You know, how does that work for, for you? I, I think it's a little bit of, it's, it's a mix of all of those things. I, I, I think again, part of being equitable in how we are looking at our students that we are interested in is by understanding that yet again, contingent upon what you have access to during your lifetime um, as a, as a student growing, going from elementary school all the way to high school is going to through high school is going to determine, you know, your level of proficiency in each of those areas. If you were a person that just spent most of your time going to a dance school and you sang in the musical theater program, you have you have really strong dance technique, mm-hmm. you have some pretty decent vocal technique, but you've got zero acting training, right? Are, are you still giving us enough mm-hmm. so that we know that our program will supplement what you need so eventually everything comes together? Um, and, and, and those are things that we are, that we are cognizant of and we are aware of. Um, and that again is why having students have access to, to the kinds of, of, of programming they need and also understanding that not all students will, um, yep. is, is how we want to move forward with, with part of 
our um, our evaluation. But to say, to go back to sort of the logistics of it, yes, there is a scoring. Um, it, it's kind of loose for us because um, we, we will sit in these pre-screening spaces, have notes already, and then when we come back and see you, mm-hmm. uh, I will tell you to be equitable and inclusive. I will not be pre-screening you. Yep. My two colleagues will pre-screen you. And yep. then on the road, I will see you for the first time. And that allows for a li- bit of a separation from the faculty that have viewed you ahead mm-hmm. of time. And it allows me to then, are we in alignment 100%? Are we completely off, <laughs> right? And that will allow us to, I think, be much more fair yep. in, in in the assessment of, of of your audition. Well, and it's one of the students, students often will ask, do they really want us to do the same material from the pre-screen to the live audition? That's a great example of why, yes, if, you're, if someone else has seen you and you go, but Jesse hasn't seen you at all yet. We want to see what, why you were passed by, uh, you know, Jesse's colleague. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also love that you, you know, the way that you're, you're sort of talking about the training they have and don't have, I, I feel like it's one of our big goals. You know, we always are talking about like, what are we revealing about you as an artist? Not what are we sort of putting on top of you? You know, because th- that is, of course, what your job is. I mean, you're trying to see the raw talent there, right? You you don't care if someone's had no training or tons of training. You want to see where they are, what they, their ability is, trusting you have four years to work with them and, and train them. So I do think whether you're using a program like us or not, and a lot of our listeners are not MTCA students, that your job is actually in revealing as opposed to in, you know, putting on a fancy coat that you can't normally wear is, is I think so essential so that you can see through it. And otherwise I know you're good enough to go, all right, take that coat off. Let's, I want to see you. I want to, and I'm not saying literal coats. Those are metaphorical coats there. Yeah. 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 And I, I think, you know, uh, not at this institution, but I'll, I'll, I'll I'll give a, a scenario. I, I, not at this institution, but the other institution that I was working at where I was running the musical theater program, we had an applicant who was from, the bottom of the mouth of the Mississippi Delta. Uh No access to anything um, throughout most of uh, his lifetime. And YouTube exposed him to Todrick Hall and all these other Mm -hmm. forms of of like, of of creative performance. And he just was so thrilled and wanted to do this work. He was so inspired and wanted to do this work. Had he not and his parents not committed to move from their small little town uh-huh. in a swamp all the way to Miss, um, to to Jackson, where he, he could actually get theater training. He may have never been able to get the training, yeah. right? Um, and that's what we have to think about when we are considering who we are reaching and how we're getting to them. Yep. Um, and also understanding that there are limitations to that. I can't reach everyone. We would love to, but we will do our best to create a space. And so those are things we have to consider as people are coming through our doors and sharing their talents with us and sharing themselves with us that we know that this won't always be the place for you, right? Based on where you are, we, it's not that we don't want there to be a place for you. It just might not be this program, right? And that's where we have to be conscious of the decisions we're making about where we're auditioning and what we're doing. I just met with a scholarship student the other night um, who was going to be coming in for us and almost certainly going to be a full scholarship student. And, you know, I was asking about acting training and they were saying, you know, I watch old movies and try to like do it back the way that the person, I was like, oh my God, like this is someone we can help. This is someone that, that like really you're coming from nothing i mean not nothing of course that's something you're you're trying to imitate old movie actors or whatever but you know they're like i'm trying to do it like Lawrence olivier did i was like okay that's something we're good all right i love that i love um that. only a couple more questions that you've been so generous with your time I, I would just love to talk about so you you mentioned 
trying to sneak in a virtual audition potentially for the ED. Are you definitely doing some virtual auditions moving forward uh, for for all the years? We have two on the docket right now for our uh, regular admissions auditions callbacks. We have two on the docket. Um, And I I will be clear that we are folks that attempt to register for the, um, for our virtual auditions will have to write a rationale why they need the virtual auditions because we saw people last year when we uh-huh. opened back up for auditions, we saw people that lived in the tri-state area. Right. We're just like, it's convenient. I want to do it this right. way. New Jersey, Connecticut. And, and I mean, even some places, Upper middle class you know, people. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, still uh, took up the, the virtual audition time yep. away from someone that may be like this young kid in Mississippi right. who can't afford to come all the way this way yep. and would love an opportunity to to have a callback. And we, we just want to make sure that the spaces that we are that we are setting aside for those virtual audition days yep. are, are for those that really need them. I mean, we have students in Asia and South America. I mean, those students, exactly. they might, some of them are flying in. We had one flew in recently to do an event with us, but they're maybe saying we can do twice a year, we can fly in. So at them, they're going to have to use virtual auditions to. Absolutely. And I would, I wouldn't want them to do that. Poor babies. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's a lot of money <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's time. I mean, there's nothing. I think, I think about it from this perspective. I know as, as, as a performer who traveled the world, I, in my contract, I said, I do not arrive and perform. Like uh-huh. I have time in between right? Um, yep. because it's necessary for me to hydrate and to move my body after flying or being in a small contained space for a long time. Um, I need to rest appropriately. We have to think about, you know, the, how our, how our art form is corporal, fully yep. corporal. Yep. Um, it would be terrible for these poor babies to be like completely jet lagged, completely like t- <laughs> and have to show up and get and you know do this audition for for one day. I mean, absolutely, just not 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 anything I would recommend. So yes, and we have seen an increase in our international students because we have had these virtual days, which I love. No doubt. Um, okay, my last question to you. I mentioned that we have some parents who listen to this podcast for their their children. Um, I would just love to talk to them a little directly in terms of let's maybe imagine right now a parent who is kind of still still in the middle of the college selection process and looking at the lists which what's my list going to be for my my child and you know uh, what advice would we give to that that parent sort of beginning this journey that they're about to take with their child um do the research together sit down at that computer together i think there's nothing more beautiful than time mm-hmm. and interest I think that's the best way we can support our, our, our children. Uh, I do also have a three-year-old. Um, and so I know that it, it, it is that like, there's nothing, not, um, my son will tell me if I'm writing an email, no phone, daddy, no phone, Bobby, no phone, daddy, no phone. Like he tells my husband and I'm like, yeah, you're right, baby. I, mean, I can do this email later, right? You've because, used up your screen time. You right. Can't, you nothing can't. is more important to them than the time that we do spend. So I uh-huh. would say, sit down, get in front of that computer together, right after dinner, whenever it is, open up those web pages, do the search criterion. Cause you as a parent, as a parent are looking at things that you're, you're, that the student is not. And it's uh-huh. important that we share that. Like, hi, as your, as your parent, I am really thinking about 
Where are you going to be living? What's your roommate situation going to be like? Is it safe for you Mm -hmm. to walk around campus at certain hours? It's New York City. I have all these questions. So Mm -hmm. I absolutely would encourage that being part of your process. Um, You know, we, we, we can throw money at programming. We can throw money at, at all that stuff, but nothing is going to mean more, I think, to you when you walk away, when you say, yes, my child chose this school. You know uh-huh. exactly why. You, you know uh-huh. all the details. <laughs> you are intimately involved in a process. And I think that that that, that really does ossify what is going to be your you're going to have a baby go off to school. You know, I mean, I can't imagine like 15 years from now seeing my son off to Oof. school. Uh, no, he's going to pace if I'm still here because I'm I don't want to pay for it. Uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> I know that's how you do it. <laughs> but I, I would say that I think that's my encouragement, um, and to ask a lot of the questions, to not be afraid to reach out to the folks in admissions or the folks in 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 um, in residence, and like you have questions about the residence halls, talk to me about the residence mm-hmm. halls. You have questions about the meal plans, let's ha- let's have a conversation about the meal plans. Yep. Um, and and because. We are doing so much more virtually. It is okay to ask those questions even more now than ever uh-huh. because we don't need to come. You don't need to come from wherever you might be to campus to to walk the space. We can walk you through those conversations, and then when you are more committed, when your child has gone from fifteen schools mm-hmm. to four, then you, then you can say, you know what, let's get on a plane or let's get on a yes. train and let's go to New York and schedule a a, a tour and. Yeah, that's my it's, recommendation. It's fantastic advice. And and it, not only for the time they would spend together, which of course I think is really nice. And we hear from a lot of our parents how special this time is because they yeah. it is like going through a war together. <laughs> they really have the experience. Yeah. But also that it does force the student to own some of their process too. Like that sometimes the parents are so helpful with the secretarial organizational work. And, you know, I have some parents who say they listen to this podcast and then send the ones they think their child will like to them. <laughs> so they're like the first line. I'm like, oh, come on. They can't listen. We do it once every other week. Can't listen to the podcast. But, but that in some ways saying, hey, this is your next four years too. You're going to have to own the research too. You can't, j- there's some stuff they don't have to pay attention to with scheduling and some of the stuff we go, thank you for the help. But some of it, they're going to have to know. I mean, they're going to, you know, what school they're going to sure. go to. But I think that's even, that's important too, right? I, think it's important for a parent to understand what their child's first semester is going to look like and yes. what what classes they're going to be in and how much work they're going to be involved in because that helps a parent have a more reasonable expectation of, hi, I called you. Hi, I texted you. Hi, I've been reaching out to you. And you're like, mom, I'm in rehearsal till 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. I'm just getting home. I got to write a paper. I got to, uh-huh. you know, and it, it's, it, I think it's important that they're, they're, that they understand how that works. I think it's also important because parents need to know that after your child is in school, the school, unless your child explicitly writes, does so in writing, is not obliged to give you any information about your child's right. performance in school. Yep. And so you might want to give me a, it send me an email and be like, hey, how's Joanne doing in class? And I'm like, hey, call Joanne, thanks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why? Because yep. I'm like literally legal, yes. legally, FERPA um, prohibits me from sharing any of that information. I will tell you that that Joanne is alive and well and living in New York City and she's doing <laughs> wonderful things in class and, you know, growing and excelling um, beautifully into a, a lovely human being. But I can't tell you the details of all the stuff, right? And, mm. and I think it's important when you have that information because you fostered that relationship through communication and and been so intimately aware, I also think it's really important 
for students to understand what this means for parents. Yes. Joanne, call your mother. Come on. Right. What's wrong we, with you, Joanne? We're, we just, you know, sent you 500, 600 miles away, 5,000 yes. miles away. We want to know you're okay, you're safe. And we also, the student also is aware of this costs this much money. Uh-huh. And this is what my parents have to think about. They have to buy me all of these things mm-hmm. for my dorm room. And it's, it's not just get up and go to the dorm room oh, and everything. I need the Leducas, I need the, all these stuff, you know, huh? Yeah, boo-boo, it's not the Ritz. It's, it's your apartment. <laughs> you got to go live in it now. You know? So. Um, I just have to say thank you so much. This was such a pleasure, Jesse. I know people can follow you if they want on your personal Instagram at Dr. underscore J Carlo, if you're yeah. trying to up your own things. Also at Pace Musical Theater. It seems like a good thing to follow. Yeah. I want to know Pace. We know you can follow at Charmer7 if you want more of our good action or at Musical Theater College Editions. Of course, we'll do that in the CTA plugs at the end. Um, but I just <laughs> want to say thank you so much. This was such a joy. Thank you. Hey now, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Dr. Jesse Carlo, who I go back between calling Dr. Jesse, Jesse, Dr. Jesse Carlo. It's hard to know exactly what to call such an excellent guest. Um, I do hope you found him to be intelligent and quick like I did, while also being so warm and empathetic. And I think he will be a really strong leader for a new era at Pace. Um, We have a lot of former MTCA coaches on faculty with Pace, and I know they're really excited for his stewardship. Um, as far as takeaways from today, I do just want to highlight again what Jesse said about ED. That is, if you're not sure it's your number one, I really would highly not recommend doing it for any school, pace included, right? So often, what is number one can change in the process. So as you learn more about yourself, I would just suggest for those of you who are able to do a complete process to not rob yourself of that opportunity by cutting your possibilities off early. I know how tempting many of you will feel that that is just to be done, but I do think it is not strategically smart. Basically, for most people, that is going to be true. You've heard me say some of this in the NYU episode already, so I don't want to get too deep into this uh, um, and repeat a takeaway, but let's talk about something different. Let's talk about parent involvement. Um, This, by the way, is something I'm going to try to include more of and more of in season two and beyond, as we're now in season two, Um, since I've learned that we have a significant percentage of parent listeners. um, You may have noticed already some more questions about this directly, both with artists and with colleges, and I'm going to try to continue that as much as possible. Um, As for today, I thought Jesse gave some really great advice about how how parents can be involved in the process. And I think for our families out there, um, be they the listeners, children or parents, it's worth getting the other, if it's not, you're not listening together, getting your child or getting your parent together to sit down near the beginning of this process, which it could be now still for seniors, that's still near the beginning of the long, uh, um, what this year is going to be, and just kind of decide what kind of involvement is right for your family. My big suggestion, you may have heard me say this before, is that parents not be overly involved artistically. Um, We've had many parents who themselves were artists, but I think it is generally much more helpful to have outside coaches, be they MTCA or not, but yes, they should be MTCA, why not, we're the best, than to have mom giving artistic notes on pieces, or dad saying, hey, have you ever tried this? For the sake of the student's development, and maybe even more importantly, for the sake of the family relationship, I just heard too many horror story examples to not strongly advise against this kind of artistic involvement. Beyond that, it is really about finding what dynamic works best for your family. Um, Many families have the parent doing a lot of the logistics, a lot of the scheduling, maybe some of the organizational setup with spreadsheets. Maybe the parent is doing some of that task reminding of, hey, you're going to do this by Tuesday and then this by Friday. 
For some families, that's a pretty even mix between the student. Maybe it's two parents that are involved. Maybe it's just one parent. And for some, it's really more on the student. And we've had very successful students go through this process almost completely, quote unquote, on their own with the parent just handing over the credit card for coaching and application fees. But we've also had really successful students where a parent was managing their schedule down to the minute with meals and time for breaks. And this is when your homework happens. And this is when you're working on your monologue. It can all work. But it's important that you're clear on what the expectations are from JUMP. Who's doing what and how much does the child want the parent to be involved and where? I mean, this, of course, is as far as the parent is willing. If the parent is not willing to be involved, it's a different question. But for the parents who maybe really want to be involved, finding what that level of involvement could be. Sometimes that overeager parent wanting to break down an audition with a child of how did it go can be really difficult on an actor trying to put it in the past or, you know, they're going, hey, why did that rejection happen? And you go, the, the child is trying to move on from it and the parent's not necessarily helping to, to try to get down and break down the math of it and, and all those things. Now, as we know, as coaches, we see this every year, we've been doing this for you know almost 20 years, exactly what the parent is going through and we might feel some of those same things ourselves and how sometimes those, those last minute questions or notes, those are really often a sign of love from the parent of don't forget this and I want to throw this in there or sometimes it's just a manifestation of the parent's own anxiety but they're not always received by the students as love um, and at the end of the day it is the student the child the artist who has to walk in and own their auditions especially artistically you know to, to walk in the rooms and really show their best selves so I would have that conversation and really try to follow their lead right let the child the student guide how you can best support them, if this is a parent listening, and try to respect the boundaries they do or don't set up. And students, if your parents aren't holding up their end of this deal, you can send them this episode clip as a reminder to try to do better. Speaking of sending episodes around, while you're there, hit us with a rating and review wherever you're listening. Five stars, a short sentence about how that previous takeaway saved your family dynamic, saved your relationship for years to come. That will do very nicely. You can put that right in the review. Um, while you're on that dreaded device of yours, you can follow me at Charmer7 or at Charmer without the 7 on TikTok. I've done exactly one TikTok post, but you know, you can view it multiple times if you want. Um, if you're interested in working with MTCA for help with your individual prep, please check us out at mtcollegeauditions.com or follow us on all the social media platforms in our show notes. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, is a hat on a hat, two hats, or just one giant complicated hat? A cake on a cake is still one cake, right? Discuss. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.